after Hurricane Ida caused widespread devastation, devastation and damage, we've been watching local, state, federal leaders respond and do what they can to help those affected by the storm. Great Television's Washington, D.C. Bureau has been covering that response. Today, we're talking to Peter Zampa and David Aid about what they've learned along the way. First, I just want to thank you both so much for being with us today. I know you've been incredibly busy with that hurricane coverage. Absolutely. Thank you for having, having us. And uh, David, I'll start with you, ask you a few questions about your coverage. Can you describe, you know, the situation right there, right now for people in those areas hit by Ida? Sure. Uh, you know, today it's, it was a hot day. Again, it's about 100 degrees with the heat index in some locations that were directly hit by the hurricane. And a lot of these places right now, they don't have power. They don't have access to uh, food or air conditioning, obviously. Um, their towns are flooded. Um, the American Red Cross, they put out an update today saying that they estimate more than 1 million people currently don't have power that were directly hit by Hurricane Ida. And they think it may take weeks to bring that power back. Um, and they're, look, they're having this first kind of assessment after the, the hurricane rolled out and they're actually able to see it with some clear skies, see the, the damage they're seeing destroyed homes, destroyed businesses. Um, the Red Cross is saying that there's cell phone uh, service, water service, uh, sewer service, all damaged, all down in various communities. And in a lot of places, they're seeing water um, almost waist high still at this point in a, in a lot of the towns that Hurricane Ida rolled through. Yeah, so, so sad to hear about. And, you know, speaking of, you know, what's happening there right now, we've heard countless guidelines from officials over the last few days, you know, everything from how to use a generator to one of them staying out of flood water. And that's actually something that we see people do a lot. You know, after the storm, you see pictures of people wading through the water mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to get somewhere else outside of their home. Um, so why is advice like that so important right now? Yeah, so right now you're hearing that same thing, regardless if you're on foot, if you're in a car, just stay out of that flood water. Uh, the first warning that came from FEMA um, yesterday, we saw that warning is about power lines being down. They don't know if these lines still have power in them. So that water could all be electrified. If you go into that, obviously you're at risk for electrocution. Today, we're hearing from the Red Cross that they're actually seeing alligators and snakes moving into that flood water. So not only do you have flood water that's high in a lot of these areas and a lot of these communities in their roads and, and near their homes, but now you have the risk for potentially uh, predatory animals inside of that water uh, making the situation even worse. Yeah, making a scary situation even scarier. Now let's talk about those who have evacuated. What do those people do now? The guidance for them right now is essentially to stay away from the area until there's clearance from local officials that it's safe to return. So obviously that creates a lot of issues for people who did evacuate, they need to find a place to stay. Um, whatever they left behind is basically they, you know, have to, they have to hope that it's still there if they return. Um, and then you have the whole uh, pandemic still going on and people needing to stay safe while they're evacuating and while they're away from home during the pandemic, um, away from family, away from friends, potentially away from doctors that they know of potentially. So at this point, they are being told to just stay away from home until local officials say it is safe to return to the home community. Right. Well, now let's talk about that uh, federal response. What What's the latest from the Biden administration on the response to Hurricane Ida? 
So today we heard of two rule changes that are intended to help uh, speed up and break down any barriers in this recovery process. One would um, essentially every year there's a summer blend of gasoline and that, that uh, mandate to use that type of gasoline usually ends on September 15th. The Biden administration says today that um, the areas that were impacted by the hurricane can switch to the, uh, the usual blend of gasoline early, uh, starting now, not have to wait till September 15th. The goal there is to make sure there isn't any uh, uh, supply shortage in gasoline, since there are so many people without power right now um, and likely using generators just to keep uh, you know, their food cold or, or various filling up their gas tank if, if they have access to roadways. Um, but that goal is to just alleviate any type of uh, gasoline shortage. Another rule would allow uh, truck haulers to uh, get around um, capped hour limits so they could stay on the road a little bit longer if they're hauling equipment, foods, supplies, um, equipment to repair power lines to the areas directly affected by Hurricane Ida. Um, this only applies to truckers who who are hauling that type of material and those type of supplies, those areas, as soon as they, um, their mission or the, their, their uh, load changes to something else, they then need to follow the, the rules that are in place for um, road time limits. Gotcha. And I wanna talk about more uh, federal response. So now I'm going to bring in uh, Peter. Peter, I know you've uh, talked to some lawmakers today from Louisiana about Ida, the role they play in responding to the damage there. Can you tell us who you spoke to and what they're saying about the impact of the storm? Yeah, so I spoke to Congressman Clay Higgins, who's actually representing Southwest Louisiana. He has his own slate of issues, which we can get into soon. Um, but I also spoke to Senator Bill Cassidy. He's obviously a Louisiana senator. He covers the whole state. And he was in Baton Rouge when his power went out. Uh, so he's, you know, that, that's the thing with these lawmakers. If they're at home, they're feeling what the folks around them are feeling. Uh, and then he immediately got in a helicopter with some state officials and sort of toured the damage from the skies. And he said, obviously, no, no, no community was spared where, where Ida went through. Um, he, he said the devastation was real. In some areas, if you couldn't see flooding and you couldn't see roofs torn off, you knew there was still no power. Um, and, but one thing you are hearing a lot lately, and I'm sure you've heard this a lot lately, is that the levee system really did hold up well. They're just talking about how, how much worse this could be, which led Senator Cassidy to sort of talk to me about something he's been working on, which is an infrastructure package on Capitol Hill. He thinks that passing something like that, a generational infrastructure package, could even better prepare them for these storms. You, you, you already have the, the uh, forward thinking of improving the levee system. This package could potentially do so much more. He's talking about flood, flood prevention. He's talking about coastline restoration in Louisiana, which is a huge deal down there. Um, you know, sewage, water systems all being improved. He seems to think that this will all lead to better outcomes in the future. So you see how bad it is now, how much worse it could have been like we had in Katrina, and how much better it could still be. So from the federal perspective, there are a lot of things going on in his mind that, yeah, we escaped this, but some people really didn't. Obviously, you know, death has been low, but it could have been a lot better. And that's kind of his focus now. Yeah, so that kind of leads into my next question about their role in all of this. You know, is their mindset kind of taking, you know, what they've seen and bringing something to Washington at this point? Yeah, exactly. Right. So it, it's a lot of assessing damage is what they say. You know, it, it can be painful for them and for us in these in these first hours after a storm trying to get answers on some things because you want to know so much. 
and they only know so much because from the federal perspective, they're not state employees. They're, they're not really, you know, they, they can ask questions. They're, they're looking at damage. They're asking questions. But when the recovery effort is going on, you can only put so many dollar amounts on things. You can only know so much about what is going to be needed in the coming days. Eventually, he will have, he and his other colleagues in Congress, will have a job to do as far as trying to get more funding for the state of Louisiana and the surrounding area, which is another fight um, all on its own right. And, and to kind of loop in Congressman Higgins, who I spoke to today, his district was relatively unscathed in this situation, but he's still recovering from a hurricane, two hurricanes that happened last year. So you can see how these folks have a role, but sometimes it can feel like banging your head against a wall, trying to get money, trying to get recovery when it's sort of out of sight, out of mind, you know, you, in these initial weeks, you're only thinking about these communities and then they still have to deal with the impact while everyone else leaves and sort of forgets, um, or, or if another wildfire happens or if another hurricane happens, these things are tough to, to keep reminding folks that we still need help. And that's how Congressman Higgins plays into all this. He still needs help in Southwest Louisiana. That hopefully won't be the case for these folks who are dealing with Ida. Yeah, so it kind of sounds like they're thinking it'll be a, a long fight and, and a long road ahead to get that funding that's necessary in recovery, right? Yeah, and so again, Higgins has been waiting for over a year for his district, and he brought up a good point. New Orleans, everyone knows about New Orleans. When a storm hits New Orleans, everyone talks about it. Everyone focuses on it. So he's hoping that because of Ida, you know, he's not happy it happens, but he's saying, because Ida happened, he might be able to put these two storms in a bucket and try to get funding for the entire Louisiana Gulf Coast. Because at this point, everyone has been through it over the last year along that coast. No one has been spared from one storm or another. So he's hoping it will happen a little bit quicker. He's hoping in the coming weeks, they will be able to get this supplemental block grant funding that can unlock a number of resources for the people on the ground. Congress is in the middle of a recess. They'll be back later in September. I'm sure you've heard they have plenty of other fights going on. So it's not the easiest thing to get these supplemental packages across the finish line because it is so personal and it is so regionalized. So if you are from the Northeast, you may not care about this. You didn't have a bad blizzard last year that you need recovery funds for. If you're in Oregon, um, your wildfire season may not have been that bad. So you're not necessarily going to vote for this supplemental package. But one thing Higgins always brings up is you might be able to get some California lawmakers on board with the supplemental if it, if it involves funds for the wildfires that they're experiencing right now. So it's about getting buy-in from lawmakers and basically attracting their attention and eventually leadership, getting them to put things on the House floor or the Senate floor. It's not always easy. Higgins has been struggling with it for a while. So has Cassidy with, with the storms from last year. They're hoping this high-profile high storm will finally get something moving in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, well, I know it'll be a long road ahead for anyone on the ground in Louisiana and also those in Washington. So uh, David and Peter, we appreciate your coverage on all of this. Uh, we've been watching it closely and uh, thank you very much for joining us here at Local News Live.